and welcome to another episode of the Roach Coach Podcast, the journey to create the new metal canon. My name is Lauren Kozlowski. With me, as always, is the Indigo Angel, Jennifer Sosha. Hello. And the original Roach Rider, Mr. Matt Nas. Keep it rolling, baby. There we go. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back with you, back for another episode of Roach Coach, and we are rounding out Side Project Summer. What a summer it's been, you guys. Mm, so many side projects. Oh, this... Our side pieces have been uh, very, very, very wonderful. Very wonderful. Really, some side projects that became main courses in a lot of ways. And we are rounding out the summer with, really, the big one. It's the guy. It's the guy. Like, there's the guy from Disturbed, but then there's the guy. It's Jonathan Mm -hmm. Davis. He's the guy. He's the guy. And his solo record, Black Labyrinth, we're going to talk all about this record. And we're not just going to talk about this record. We're not just going to talk about the fact that Jenny and I saw him live. We are also going to talk about the doc. That's right. Hot doc. Hot doc. Full-length doc. Full-length doc. 90-minute doc. Jenny and I sat down in our respective homes, cracked (laughs) open a cold one, and said, What do you got for me, JD? What do you got? We're going to talk all about it. We're very excited to do so. But before we do, we have got to talk about who's tweeting. Who's tweeting? Who is? More importantly, guys, who's back? Who's back? Oh, it's the Deftones. <laughs> JK, it's Deftones. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, Deftones are back. New album coming. It's called Ohms. It's out September 25th. They put out the first single, also called Ohms, which is also the last track on the album. I learned right before we started recording that I am the only person on the show who has listened to the new song. Whoa, man. Hey, our hey. business is in the street. We, it's, wow. hey, it's all in the streets, Matt. It's all in the streets. I'm you got to be careful about activating that sensual chino in these times. <laughs> Too true. <laughs> Too true. I uh, I think it's pretty hot. I think it's pretty good. It's definitely, I would say, if, if we're talking about a pivot away from new metal into a very art-rocky sound, a bit more of that is going on. But found out, Roach Rider sent us over a screenshot from Steph Carpenter's Instagram, letting us know that on this new song, he played a guitar with not one string or two strings or three strings, or four strings, or five strings, or six strings, or seven strings, or eight strings. You're going to go through all of them? Nine strings. Nine strings? Nine strings. I'm going to be honest. I didn't think such a thing was possible. I thought it capped out at seven. I didn't think you could throw another string on it. And I I thought the human hand is not big enough to hold uh, the end of that guitar, whatever it's called. I don't know. I can't play guitar. Ernie Ball's Ball's doing well this year. (laughs) That's right. Let me tell you. (laughs) Nine string guitar. Listen, they can get arty. They can go for an explosions in the sky vibe. They can sight hum in their influences but if you're playing with nine motherfucking strings you're still a little new metal baby you're still a little new metal Mm. 
Nine is the magic number. <laughs> it really is. So very hyped, very hyped for this uh, album. And I know at some point, Jenny and Matt, you are, will eventually get around to listening to at least some songs from this album. And I'm excited for you both. Thanks, buddy. Thank you very much. Uh, Jenny, we talked about Jonathan Davis's doc, but he's not the only boy in town with a documentary. Oh, no, he's not. Uh, we were alerted by both Nick Fenton and our friend Scott Bowling that there is a head PE documentary called Touring for Broke, a head PE film by Chad Benicos. So Jared, not to be outdone, we got a doc. We got a doc. Also, head PE put out a new record. It's their quarantine record. I listened to it over the weekend. My man's trying a lot of different things. You cannot ever accuse Jared of resting on his laurels. He's trying different things on this record. Also, 33 minutes. 33 minutes. So respectful of our time. Incredibly respectful. Incredibly respectful of our time. So check that out. You know what we got to talk about? We got to talk about who's emailing. Who's emailing? Who is? Jenny, we got an email from Rick Piven. We did. Uh, the subject is loving the show. Off to a good start. Good start. Hey, Rick says, right. hey guys, so I've been binging your episode since the beginning, and I'm currently on episode 69, Machine by Static X. 69, Something, dude. Nice. Yes, that's a funny one to write us in at, for sure. Uh, something to think about. I skimmed through the rest of the episodes till the current one, and I noticed that you guys have not done Wayne Static's solo album, Pig Hammer. It was the last album he released before he passed. I think we owe it to the memory of Wayne to see if it meets up to snuff and to enter the canon. Love you guys. Roach Rider for life. Rick Piven. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, Rick. Uh, I would say I, I do have a physical copy of the uh, of that album. And I think we're going to follow our chronology. And we're going to work our way through the uh, Static X records. And then we will get to Pig Hammer. So rest assured, we're going to get there, baby. We're going to get there. We're going to oh, find we gonna out. Are oh, we going to get there? We'll get there. We'll Are get these motherfuckers spitting? Oh. No. No, no, not yes, yet, Matt. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> uh, we will get there. We, we will get there. We will get there. Uh, we also got an email from our friend, Road Rider for Life, Jamal Christmas. Subject of this email, album suggestions. Give us a few albums to think about for the long list uh boy hits cars second album the passage orgy's third album punk static paranoia evanescence's second album the open door three days grace debut album three days grace decipher down and their debut album end of gray and dust for life's self-titled debut i can see a few of these have never been suggested to us before I was not aware the Boy Hits Car had a second record. And I believe someone else had written us or something and maybe tweeted us in passing about this third orgy record, which I have never heard and could not tell you a thing about. I don't know anything about it. But uh, Jenny, thoughts on this list, thoughts on any of these albums? Hey, throw them all on the list. Boom. There it is. All of them going on. We haven't We haven't done Evanescence in literally like, I don't know. 
150 episodes or something. It's been wow. a while. Yeah. It's been yeah, a while. Maybe we need to visit Amy, see how she's doing. What's going on with What's Amy? Amy doing? What's Amy up to? So maybe. Well, thank you, Jamal. Much appreciated. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we did an episode very recently as part of Side Project Summer all about Big Dumb Face. Big Dumb Face. And we got some feedback. And, Shani, what was that feedback over on Instagram? Well, Lauren, over on Instagram, we got a comment from Wes Borland, actual Wes Borland. (laughs) Wes says, the second album is a lot better. And then Wes Borland followed the Roach Coach podcast. Big day at the road to coach house if we all live together we all would have rushed yeah, we, well, to first, the kitchen first with the we, paper lauren got it then he called a town hall we climbed the uh the tree outside to the fort at the top of the tree that we all uh record this show in yes and then we just geeked out for a solid five let me tell you i activated push alerts on my phone for the Instagram about a year ago. And I'm going to be honest, sometimes I regret it because it just fills up with just likes, you know, and it's it's just, you know, cool, thank you, you know, but but just a lot of likes that just fill up. When that thing push alerted on my phone, I said it was all worth it. It was all <laughs> worth it to see that. I mean, really, this is, this is I think, setting off a new segment I hope we'll be continuing called Who's Acknowledging Our Existence? Mm. And on this day, <laughs> this was Borland. I don't know if he listened to the show. No way. If, Jenny's saying yeah. no way. I'm going to go a hard <laughs> impossible. Impossible. It's no fucking okay. way. All right. All right. I like to think he listened to like five or ten minutes and skipped through and then turned it off. That's what I think. <laughs> That could be true. He may have done this. Mm-hmm. Hey, this showed up in my Instagram feed. Oh, yeah. These guys. <laughs> tossed us, a, to, you know, like, tossed us the first thing. Second album's better. We agree. We all agree. We all liked that second record. And then it was like, because there was a delay. Like, the comment came. That's right. Let's so, break down this timeline. There's at least five to ten minutes between like and follow. Easy. Easy. Even even more. Possibly. You're right. So he might have pulled it up, taken like a, hey, does this sound like it was recorded in a shoebox? Oh, it's pretty good. I'll give him a follow. Or he, he went through our feed and he was like, oh, these guys are actually serious. They're not gonna. They're not dicking around here. Oh boy, they've done two hundred episodes. <laughs> oh, they're serious. Okay, well, I'll give them a like. I think. I think Matt's timeline. I think that works. I think that works. Either way, Wes, thank you. As always, come on the show anytime. We'll talk about whatever you want. We have a West Borland open door policy. Open door. Come on in. If you want to bring Ross with you, please. You know, like, whatever you want to do, come on over. We've got open door for Ross. Open Open door for Wes. Who else do we got an open door for? 
It's um, gonna be a long list, man. We, we got all right. We got How open much door. How time do you got? All right, Matt. Matt's Matt's opened the door to this conversation, so we'll just hit a few. Open door. Chino. Okay. Max. Max. Yep. Fred. Absolutely. And Serge. Open door, Serge. I think so. Let's get him in. Let's get him chatting. I'm sure he's got a couple things to say. Um, I have a hard open door monkey policy. Okay. There you go. Matt's Matt's opening the door to monkey. Hard open door for head. Yep. Absolutely. I think they would be... I think Jonathan is a little reserved. I think it would take a little bit more coaxing to get mm-hmm. something out of Jonathan. Yeah. I feel like every v- interview I see with him now, he's a lot more pulled back but i think head is like no let me tell you these crazy stories yeah Very we true. unfortunately do not have an open door field policy no we do not we do not it's too dangerous for me to have an open door field policy <laughs> um yeah i would say uh we definitely have an open door policy for john otto oh yeah uh, 100%. Um, Max was, Cavalera. Yep. Open door. Rob Flynn. Open, oh, open door. door. Open door. Absolutely. Who else? Who else? Would now, we have here's my question. Okay, Matt. Draymond. Absolutely. 100%. Open door. <laughs> yes. Yeah. T- duh. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you know who you're asking, right? Right? Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm just checking. We're uh, ill. We're still <laughs> sick. We're? There's something wrong with us. Like I'm like <laughs> unlocking windows for Draymond. Like however he wants to enter the house, come on in. What now? It's let's just you know. Hey, let's wish we're gonna put it. What is it? The uh, it's not the wish. It's the secret. The secret. The secret. Let's secret this right now. We're putting mm-hmm. it into the ether. Draymond, yes. you have an open invite to this show. Yeah, he comes on, and he lays down a Draymondism. Like, he just comes in here and he's just like, songs are like tigers. And sometimes you got to let them run wild. And sometimes you got to pull out the chair and the whip and show them who's boss. He lays down something like that. How do you expect me to keep it together? Matt, what is going to happen is Jenny and I are going to go, that makes a lot of sense. Good. And then you are going to start to bleed out of your eyeballs and your ear holes. (laughs) And we're going to go, don't mind him. He's, he's he's not a fan. He's 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 our friend, and we we got to take him with us everywhere. He's yeah. the engineer. <laughs> Just the whole of these. Draymond will say, "I will not apologize for my metaphors." Absolutely. And we'll say nobody needs you to apologize. Nobody does. Um, I hate to say it, but I don't know if we have an open door policy for um, Corey Taylor. That seems like a bit much. I don't know if we're built. Not for after, not after <laughs> his latest offense. <laughs> what happened? Oh, uh, Matt, Corey. are you kidding? CMFT. CMFT. Oh, <laughs> guys, guys, I forgot about that the moment I heard it. That's oh, fair. That's, That's fair. Very, very. I, th- yeah. I thought that he did something else stupid because. He has I mean, a he has a sweet ability every once in a while just to pull a couple blunders in a row. I mean, don't get me wrong, Matt. I mean, the record hasn't dropped yet, so you never know. Um, other people, I would say, open door policy for Burton C. Bell. Open door. True. True. Open oh, I'd door. love to. 
that would have been great because he was at Rock and Pod this year. That would have been really cool to to talk to Burton C. Bell. Let's put he it out there. Been. Let's put Got it out it. there. Let's put it out there. We're putting it out there. Uh, other people, Jenny, anybody else that you open door, open Shippy. door. Shippy, Shippy, Shippy. Oh shit, dude. Shippy. Yeah. Tom Hazer, open Tom door. Tom Hazer, open Tom door. Ha- open door. Um, let me see. Anyone else? I'm, I'm scrolling through the list of people that I would I, that we the bands that we've covered on the show. Oh, all the guys in my ticket home. Open door. Will Putney. Man Will, oh, Will Putney yes. open door. Will Putney open door. We already said Ross the Angel open door. Yes. Jenny, are we gonna are we gonna open the door for Scooter? Yeah, look. Scooter wished me well and the door's open. You wished me well, I'm not closing the door on you. There you have it. Open door for Scooter. And I'm going to say it. Open door, ICP. I was just thinking ICP. <laughs> no joke. No Open joke. Door. Open door. Come on in. Shaggy too dope. I mean, I've already gone on the record that he's miraculous. Love loved to chat with that young man, who I know is older than me. Um, and uh, uh, I'm trying to think anyone else. I'm going to say. Yeah. Our door may not be fully open to anyone, but I don't know if our door is necessarily locked to anyone either. Like That's true. It might be a screen door opening. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm thinking about how tough it would be to get us to talk to you. Very true. I, You know what? One more I'm going to say. <laughs> as, as Jenny has said that, one more open door, open screen door. Jared. Oh my. Okay. I think so. I think so. I think so. Absolutely. There you go. So get that all out there. Open door policy. (laughs) Get on the coach. (laughs) And um, you know what? After we recovered from Wes giving us the follow, giving us the comment, we also had a lot of other great comments about the episode, Jenny. Yes, we did. Scott Stapp, lead singer of Creed, said, I'm going to need you guys to make a list of your top new metal hidden tracks, worst to best. That. I think you start 10 with uh, the argument on the first corn record, right? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And work your way back. Um, we're going to need we're going to need some time to work on that. We're gonna I need agree. Some time. I think I think the worst one is the easiest. Cuz if I ever hear that again, I'm good forever. But then again, Slipknot puking is pretty rough as well. It's true. It's true. This is why we got to take some time on it, you know? <laughs> this Damn is it. why you don't want to rank it wrong and then you wake up, Matt, in the middle of the night, cold fucking sweat. You're like, and I'm like, it was Slipknot puking. You're just like, it's Slipknot puking. You turn the light on. Draymond's in there, and you're like, what the fuck? And he's like, I heard open door. And you're like, ah, dropping That's right. plates. That's right. There you go. All right. Well, thank you, Scott Stapp, lead singer of Creed, who I'm assuming is the real Scott Stapp. Um, you know what? Open door. Open door. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, M. Fife 
said Jennifer nailed it when she calls out the disproportionate hate for the biscuit. I see it all the time in comics where once beloved creators are constantly shat on. This show exists to defy those convenient and lazy criticisms. Keep it rolling, coach. Ooh, thank you. Very nice. Christopher Monahan says, can we get a list of Andrew Wolf's recommendations, please? That guy has been hitting us with some heat. I should have been writing them down. We will get that list up on the Facebook, over on the Twitter, over on the Instagram. So wherever you be, you will. Once we finish this list up, we'll post the whole thing up, and you can uh, see see what all the, where all these heaters are coming from, baby. Over on Facebook, Elric said these guys talking about big dumb faces. These guys supposedly did a cover of "I'm Like a Bird" by Nelly Furtado live, and I badly want to hear it now. I would also like to hear it now. That's a classic Furtado track. Classic Furtado. Classic Furtado. Classic Furtado. <laughs> eating a Furtado. Yeah. Oh, Nelly. Uh, all right, Stephen. Look, <laughs> look at you. Everything oh. worked out. We fucking <laughs> landed that plane. I didn't mean to say it like that, <laughs> except for maybe somewhere in my brain I did. Uh, Stephen Tilbury says, you absolutely have to do DVSR. Those boys are getting lots of hypes over here for their new album. When live shows return, I'll be there with bells on. I might even send shitty phone footage to Lauren to scratch that itch. Also, I reckon it's about time for Sun Clodo's full-length Big Picture Lies, guys. Steven, if you're sending me grainy, sideways footage of DVSR tearing it the fuck up in Australia, thank you. I'm here for it. Sure. I'm ready for it. And Sun Clodo, that EP was hot. Those boys were hot. He might be right. It might be time. Might be time to check out Sun Clodo again. Thank you, Steven. Uh, Mike Newton said, oh boy, this should be a good one. I downloaded Rebel off of Napster uh, to at least give it a try. Realized it was not the most amazing metal music I'd ever heard, so I scoffed at this album anytime it came up. Even the stuff that was metal wasn't enjoyable to me. I get it. I get the idea behind it. And honestly, I'm glad that because of his name, he was able to do the project and get it on shelves. But it's incredibly stupid. I think that this was his middle finger to the industry. I'm West Borland and I'm artsy. And then he puts this out and it's anything but. Pulled the old switcheroo and probably laughed his ass off and all the hate it got, I'm sure. I finally broke down and bought this album six months ago off Mercari. I assume that's a store for like $3 and it wasn't worth one single penny. LOL. That was a journey. I, <laughs> I liked being on that journey. Thank you, Michael. Uh, Jack Slauson says the album is not for me. Well, maybe for 20 year old me who loved Primus and the dumbest gutter mouth album, but I was really not expecting the last 10 minutes to go full. What I talk about when I talk about limp biscuit think piece, but you took it there, and as the kids say, I stand. Defend new metal. Wow, a think piece. <laughs> I, hey, I, thanks, Jax. I got to tell you, Jenny, a little peek behind the curtain. Jenny and I were talking over text about various things relating to the show, and you basically laid out a lot of that in the text. And I was like, how do we get this on the show? And then you just went there. And... I appreciate it then. I appreciate it now. I'll appreciate it in the future. All right. 
Trevor Reynolds says, yet another example that side projects are self-serving flaming piles of stinkaroo for me. Okay, Trevor. All right. New Metal Advisory Board says, I don't care what people think about this album. The Duke Lion film clip is the best thing ever created. Wow. People are off on different different realms on how this record is hitting them. Tyler Elm says, I love the creativeness, but didn't consider it a repeat listen. The second is way better, IMO. But more importantly, I'm glad you went on a defend Fred Durst rant. He gets so much crap, and it's great to hear people come to his defense. Like you said in the pod, how can you like something so much and just act as if it didn't impact you positively or find the merits in the music later in life? Limbiscuit should not be a dirty word. I consider them to be the best of the genre. Keep on rolling, baby. Jenny, you are building a movement behind you. <laughs> you are becoming a leader. I just want you to be ready. The people... Uh, they, they, you look outside. They could be. They could be rounding up. They could. Be I ready. hope. They're, they're... I hope they're wearing masks. We'll say. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. And Mike Palladino says, "Question: Who is the West Borland of the Roach Coach Podcast?" My guess would be Jenny. Wow. 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 Jenny, you are getting compliments like crazy. This app. You're the West of the show. You're the leader of a movement. So if you're the Wes of this show, who are who are me and Matt? <laughs> I was like, who's the friend? Um, I, I'm, <laughs> I might be in a different band. <laughs> Matt might be in a different band. This is true. Matt, you might be in a different. Well, band. you know what? I I could see myself as Sam Rivers, dependable, in it, just a glue of sorts. Mm-hmm. That makes me either Fred or DJ Lethal. Only two options. Well, I mean, if only you could fly. You've got it right, Matt. You got it right. <laughs> I'm the Fred. You're the Fred. You gotta be. You gotta I gotta be. The be. Fred. I gotta be the Fred. Well, there we go. Oh, that was I mean, fun. yeah, you're the Fred. You're the, I'm Fred. the Fred. I'm the Fred. Well, thank you, everyone, for your comments on that. Of course, thank you to West Borland. Open door. Open, Open door. door. Quick cue. Yes. So this week in in Limp Bizkit news, mm-hmm. uh, there was a lot of articles quoting Fred as saying we were not friends to about the members of Limp Biscuits. Did Biscuits plural because that's what it is now. Did you read this article? Did you see this? I did see this article. I did read it, and I feel like people are taking that quote a little bit out of context in this idea that the guys in Limp Bizkit all go up on stage, and then they get off stage, and they all get into separate cars and drive away and never talk to each other and never text. And I, when I read the article and read the actual quote, I think what it is is that they came together on a musical level, not in a friendship level. They were like, I want to make music with this guy. I'm not necessarily like his best friend, but I want to make music with him. So they, what he was saying is like they got together first on a musical vibe, not on a friendship vibe. Versus those bands that are like, oh yeah, I'm in this band with my buddy because he's my buddy, and then it also happens to work out that you know he's right. Good I'm thinking whatever. about the Minutemen right now. Yeah, and so no. that's what I took it as is that they were they were brought together by the music and then any you know friendship camaraderie came and i always later. felt like that was a long-standing story is that like wes wasn't in the band 
and then they brought him in kind of last minute and it was like when he was with them the whole band was like that's it i think we've got it mm-hmm. but then i don't think he wanted to be in it and they had the accident and yeah. then they invited him back and it was like because things had changed and that's when the dynamic really hit but that makes sense like yeah you know like i would consider all of us friends but we started as friends first before we started to do this show but i wasn't as close to you at the beginning of this that i as i am now yeah absolutely i I certainly didn't know personal aspects of your life that's true that's true. We all know very much personal aspects about our lives now. I know I know Jenny's married. I wouldn't know that. You would, would not know that. <laughs> no would one would know. Hide no one that under know. a bushel. No yeah. one would know. Um, so, yeah. So, <laughs> we, uh, you know, also, I mean, when you have done a journey like this together, be it in a band, playing these songs around the world, or doing this podcast, and saying things to Matt like, we're going to do a third Disturbed record this week <laughs> in your house. And Matt being like, you know what? That's okay. That's when you know you've transcended business partners. You've transcended colleagues. And you are truly friends. That is when Th- you know. That's true. That is uh, true. Well, thank you, everybody, uh, for sending all these in. This was great. And uh, closing out, who's tweeting? With another, but not the last, selection from Andrew Wolf's Rochamendations. We've been rolling through this list all summer. Heaters after heaters. It's it's tremendous. Jenny, what do we have for us today? Uh, today, we're going to be listening to Dropout Kings. The song is Going Road, Going Rogue, <laughs> featuring Landon Tours. All right, here we go. myself lately i feel like fuck everyone else people been testing my patience but i ain't no surgeon i cut you to hurt you i always been quiet and tried to just keep to myself do shit by myself i hate asking for help stick your hand out you might not get it back it's a fact that i'm crazy you don't need to ask twist this shit up shoes in my shaking i'm mixing it up rip out my heart put my blood in the cup you feel my passion you see i ain't acting so back to take not take this bitch i've been running shit name the target i'm merciless gunning shit i'm a star i'm your father i'm sunny shit probably shoot the charts up with a hundred clips on the low My hatred of this bit is the fuel that keeps it alive. And I'm aware of that. Uh, I won't say the cursed words, but uh, that was hot and I did enjoy it. So once again, Andrew, great list. Thank you. Thank you. Great list. It's not over yet. Next week will be the last song 
from this list. Are we going to go out hot? I feel like we just might. And I got just as I, as we were finishing this list, and I realized we're going to hit one more. And it's like, oh man, end of an era. I've been loving doing this all, really all summer. Someone else sent us another list of songs. And I was like, oh my gosh, they're just queuing us up. But you've got a tall order to top Andrew's list. Just going to say. But keep those lists coming. And uh, thank you so much. That is Who's Tweeting. That's it for Who's Tweeting. Keep on saying hello online. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Send us an email, roachcoachpodcast at gmail.com. Send us your lists. Send us your bangers. If you're uh, a famous person from one of these bands, open door. Come on on. Come on on. There you go. Come on on. Come on the show. And it is now time for the album of the week. We're closing outside Project Summer with Jonathan Davis and his solo album, Black Labyrinth. Jenny, when did this album come out? This album was released on May 25th, 2018. That uh, I believe that is uh, my parents told me about this party. Yeah, this is like your parents' friend coming over and being like, I'm going to tell you about the party that I pretty much started. <laughs> Very true. Very true. This was Jonathan Davis's uh, solo debut. He had been attempting to put this record up for a while, and he finally got it out. Jenny, I guess, do you have... Well... Normally, we do like the history with the record, but I mean, I guess the main thing is that you and I went to go see Jonathan Davis live when this album was about to be released. Yes. Um, we got free ticks from our boy Scribble. He hooked us up. Thank you forever for that. And we got to see JT just vibing. It was a vibe. I mean, we, we did talk about this, uh, obviously, on the show a couple of years ago. But, Jenny, can you want to walk through a little bit of your memories of that night? I was really not sure what to expect. I feel like my my brain almost pulled a nice little favor trick on me. I'm going to – that's that's something that people say, right? Yes. Uh, it was a definite vibe. Was not expecting Queen of the Damned songs to be featured so prominently when they were – we absolutely lost it. It was a great, great surprise. He was a delight. He was great to watch. It was a fun night. It was a fun night. It was. The crowd was into it on a tremendous level. And I got to say, he did a follow-up show at the machine shop about four months later. I got to tell you, JD in the machine shop? What a night that must have been. If you were at that show... Let us know. RoachCoachPodcast.gmail.com. What was it like to be that close? I mean, we were decently close. We were over at the Majestic in Detroit, which is, a, I'd say, like a medium-sized venue. Also where we saw Poppy. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be in a room like the Machine Shop with a legend like JD, that really had to have been something else. Had to be something. Had to be something. Jenny, before this episode, though, had you heard this album? Did you listen to this album? No, I did not. Not before this record. Not before this record. Not before this recording. No. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, <laughs> I uh, I did um, pick up this record when it came out. I have a physical copy here. I do not remember how much I paid for it, but I bought a brand new. So let's say between $10 and $13. Spun it a bit. Enjoyed it at the time. 
Matt Nas, your beautiful child had just been born when this concert happened. So you had Correct. to bow out. You were not able to attend. But we understand Correct. why. Your child is adorable. Thank you. So we get it. Now, if your child was ugly, we'd be like, Matt, you blew it. You should have gone to see JD. Definitely should have just ditched (laughs) it. (laughs) Um, Ditched it with my wife and then been like, sorry. (laughs) I'll go, baby. Got to check out JD. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then uh, I would have slept in my car for the rest of that (laughs) month while I figured out my new living arrangements. (laughs) Indeed. Um, But, Matt, had you heard this record before? I had not. No. But um, your documentation of that live show was amazing. Uh, once again, big up to uh, Scribble for the connect. Uh, always appreciated that. Um, and since this show has started, I have now seen Corn live. Mm-hmm. I have now watched multitudes of live Jonathan Davis uh, performances. He's a hell of a front man. He's he's the uh, he's the whole package. I want to say he's what you want in a hard moving band. Hard moving uh, band. Hard moving band. Stick by it. You know what? Hard moving band. That's that's what when I go see a band, I'm like, they're moving and they and they're, they're moving hard. Are they hard moving? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna put it out there. Jonathan Davis, one of the best. One of the best. Open put him up door. There. Open him up. door. Open door. Open door. Open door. Open door policy. He's one of the best. Yeah, so this record, Jenny, the history of this record, long and storied. Yeah. this He started writing and recording this um, after he did the songs that he put together for Queen of the Damned. He liked it so much, he just kind of kept on going. This was recorded over a long period of time. Started in 2007. Yeah, so it took a long, long time to be made. It was recorded partially at sounds like his maybe his guest house mm-hmm. in Malibu and partially on his tour bus that he is outfitted with recording equipment. So it sounds like he was writing while he was on the road quite a bit. Um, I gotta tell you, this to me, is sort of like a testament to sobriety because when you're not drinking and doing drugs, you got to find a way to fill the time. You'd be shocked at how much time you have when you say, quit drinking. (laughs) 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 And you're like, what do I do with all this time? I'd normally be drinking a ton right now. And then you wind up with a tour bus full of recording equipment because you got to do something with all that time. Yeah, so he recorded this, yeah, as Jenny said, over over a decade, was constantly trying to put it out, and in the documentary, he kind of details a little bit that there was some record label shenanigans, the record was almost going to come out, then it didn't come out, he had to get it back, then he finally took it over to Sumerian Records, where he knew, I'm assuming the gentleman that he refers to as Ash, yes, Ash Avildsen is the founder of Sumerian, sounds like he's... He's on a first name basis. He just calls him Ash the whole time. And uh, he said, I knew that that was going to be a good fit for me because I have some other friends who are on Sumerian, including one iced tea. That's mm-hmm. right. And, and they cut to, in the doc, they cut to a picture of JD and iced tea hanging out. And I said, Look at that. Look at that. Oh, 
Ice tea, open door. Open door. Open door. Oh, open yeah. Door. Open door. 100%. Um, let's just talk to him for an hour about evil dick. You know, that's what we just need to do. <laughs> so, um, so. <laughs> hey, Ice tea, can we just talk to you for an hour and a half about evil dick, please? Yeah, I, I know you're going to want to talk about other things, but that's what we're talking about. So, yeah, so this record, a long time in the making, and also a collaborative process. Uh, Jenny, let's talk about it. Who's the producer on this record? Uh, the producer on this record is J.D. and uh, Tiago Nunez. Indeed. So J.D. Oh. largely taking the reins on this. Genre tags, some surprising genre tags for this, Jenny. We've got alternative metal, alternative rock, electronic rock, and new metal. There you go. There you go. This record, I don't have any sales figures here. It uh, peaked on the U.S. Billboard 200 at 67. It has, according to Metacritic, generally favorable reviews. Pretty good. And we have a variety of guests and assistants. I don't even want to call them guests because a lot of these people are on nearly every song. Do we want to say who, or do we want to kind of dip in as we go track to track, Jenny? You know, I say let's just talk about it. Okay. Because it'll be a lot to dip in as we go, and I yeah. know we got to go. I know we got to get into this. We got to get into it. We're going to. But I'm going to tell you who is on this record. We've got JD, of course, and vocals, guitar, keyboards, programming, violin, sitar, and production. Our new friend, close personal friend, Wes Borland, uh, plays guitars on about half the tracks. Miles Mosley, who we will talk about. We will um, talk about Miles. <laughs> plays bass uh, on pretty much every song on this record. Zach Baird, who we will also talk about, plays mm. keyboards uh, and does programming on lots of tracks. And Ray Luzier, who it plays drums for Korn, plays drums on the... Uh, massive amount of these songs mike dylan does percussion on some of the songs shankar who we'll talk about as well does violin and additional vocals on some of the tracks got jivian gasparian on track two and then we got a byron katie sample and you'll know it when you hear it you will indeed indeed and uh yeah really just a lot of collaboration and I'm going to say it, a lot of affection for all these people. And we're, we're going to get into it. We're going to get into it. But I think it's time to dive into these tracks. Let's do it. Uh, the first track on the record is Underneath My Skin. Thank you. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a solid rocker right there. Rock solid. Good start to the record. It's noticeably brighter than corn. Corn would be darker. I noticed that right away. Even though this album is called Black Labyrinth, there's more of a brightness to the sound here. I wrote in my notes, this is some cool fuzzy bass. Some cool bass. (laughs) Miles is doing it for you. Miles is doing it. He's doing the damn thing. So I thought this was really good. Had a nice stomp to start it off. Uh, Jenny, thoughts on Underneath My Skin? I liked it too. It was very poppy. We'll talk about this quite a bit, I would guess, but it really does like harken back to a lot of the influences that Jonathan has cited over the years. I think you can hear a lot of that, just like the 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 gothy and poppy influences coming through, and I enjoyed it. I thought it was very catchy. Mm, definitely catchy. J- JD can write a chorus. Let me tell you, he's got some. Don't want to get ahead of myself, but my man's got some choruses locked and loaded and ready to go. Matt Nas, thoughts on Underneath My Skin? Very enjoyable song. See, it, it's got him doing what he does well, but in a different way than he does it in corn. I'm interested to hear more. Um, but yeah, the, definitely a very catchy song. Uh, so, sadly, songmeanings.com. Did not have anything for this album. But over <laughs> on Genius.com, they have verified commentary by one Jonathan Davis for every single song on this record. So for this one, this song is about Jonathan Davis's struggle with his depression and getting sober and about how it is something that is very hard to stay sober. And in the documentary, J.D. also walks us through every single song. And when he talks about this one, he says, he's like, man, staying sober, it's hard shit, man. Hard shit. At one point, he reflects on how long he's been sober in this sort of like, wow, like, I can't believe it that I've made it considering. And and you could feel this reflection of like how much he's had to go through to stay sober for that long. Testament to, you know, his his strength in that regard. Uh, Jenny, do you have any thoughts about that part in the doc? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was interesting that he talked about how he'd kind of rather just not think about it. Like he he's like, you know, a lot of people go to like support programs and that's awesome, but like I just I think he's like I don't want to fucking think about <laughs> being addicted like at all. Um and even like when he got sober from lots of different things, he was still like he said um addict like addicted to Xanax and he recognized that when he had to take his brother to rehab for, for being addicted to, it sounded like Xanax as well, maybe among other things. So um, he talks a lot about like kicking the pills too. So maybe not a lot, but he does talk about like having to kick those pills too. Um, so I don't know. It was. That's rough, man. For sure. Rough. I, I mean, we should talk about it now. We got this incredible smooth fuzzy bass going on here played by miles who (laughs) jonathan davis has a lot of nice things to say about a lot of people in this documentary but i think he has the most nice things to say about miles he like loves miles miles is tough for me miles is very talented but (laughs) miles 
Miles is the kind of guy. He's got a hat collection. He's got berets. Berets, a lot of berets. He wears like a, a whole paramedic uniform in one scene. He's <laughs> Miles is a real specific like John Varvatos flavor accessorized man situation. Like the way that John Varvatos is like, this is what a rock star looks like. Miles is like. Yeah. Okay, challenge accepted. You're right. <laughs> Here we fucking go. <laughs> but hell of a bass player. Hell Incredible. of a bass player. Incredible bass player. You get to see him in action a lot in the documentary. And at first you just hear Jonathan Davis sort of just big, big, you know, just giving him incredible props. But then you see the man in action and the talent, undeniable, but also the collaboration and camaraderie with JD, which you see throughout the entire documentary. I feel like we've watched a few things now where we see the recording of an album and sometimes it can feel a little tedious. Sometimes it can feel a little bit like, well, now you do the drums. Now you are recording the guitar part and there's not really any like give and take on it. But there are multiple parts in the doc where we see JD just working with Zach, just working with Miles, working on ideas and loving it, loving it. The creative process on display in this doc is one of pure joy and flow. Jonathan Davis is all smiles. Like this was just the best time, the best time. Also, one relatable moment is that he talks about that they had to record the record, as you said, Jenny, largely in his guest house in Malibu. And he said part of the reason was if they were to drive down to the actual studio, it'd be like an hour and a half in traffic. And who wants to deal with that? And I was like, man, relatable. There you go. They're just like us. They're They're just just like like us. They're just like us. You know? Open door. Open door. I got to say, I I met a gentleman this weekend who – responded to Mitch much the way that JD responded to Miles. Mitch played a little bit of guitar. His uh, his dad got married and Mitch played a song by his dad's request. And a man came to join us who is a big musician in the 70s. Big music guy. Loves to talk about music. Calls guitars peace. Oh, it's a nice piece. So he said, Mitch was playing the guitar and this guy said, yeah, you're a bass player, aren't you? And Mitch was like, yeah. And he goes, I could tell. Give it a slap. <laughs> and without missing a fucking beat, Mitch starts slapping on an acoustic guitar. And this dude starts making like the nastiest faces, just like feeling it. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I wanted to scream with joy and then just disappear because i was like i that's it this is my favorite thing i've ever seen and then when i was watching this documentary i watched it this morning and i was like just hearkened me right back to give it a slap give it a slap give it a slap give it a slap uh wait does this mean though is is mitch about to start collecting hats you know, he's got he a lot of baseball to hats. Go to the Barbados store. I mean, my office, if we ever go back, is located dangerously close to the, I think maybe the only John Barbados store in Michigan. 
That's how I know so much about John Barbados because I walk by it every fucking day when we're in the office. So I don't know. These stars might be aligning a little too closely oh, for my boy. comfort. Oh, boy. Something to look forward to there. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, we're only on track one. We got to keep moving. We do. We do. All right. Up next, we've got final days. Yeah, baby. Oh, Prowlar. Heard something that called me. The primal beats. That percussion. That'll get ya. That'll get ya. You guys have, uh, enjoy your summer? I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go. Oh, So this song is about the Iraq War. That is when this song was written. So to tell you how long this album was being made for. And JD in the documentary points out that the the lyric uh, that they're destroying all the places in my mind, living our, in our final days, we're bombing all the places left to hide. And he's sort of turning the political personal and back around and uh you know an interesting choice for track two but also felt like a bit of a you're on the ride and this ain't a corn record and we're going for a vibe and i respect it i respect it also wes on guitar in the song it's a it's an interesting one definitely huge queen of the damn vibes Jenny, thoughts on Final Days? I really liked it. One of the things that I liked most about the documentary was watching Jonathan Davis learn about Indian music from Shankar. I thought that was really, really sweet. And just hearing him talk about discovering this music and learning about it and wanting to incorporate it into this album, it was kind of in stark contrast to like some of the records we've listened to. I think about Fieldy's record and Draymond's record. And as much as I did or did not enjoy them, like they both seem like pretty much up their own ass making those records. Chino and Wes both felt like more exploratory to me, like kind of doing their own thing, but like exploring like from like a nearby pool, I guess. 
Fort Minor was somebody doing their own thing. And then this to me though, felt truly like collaborative and like reaching out and trying to learn and like definitely not, I don't know. It just seemed like it was reaching outside of himself, learning in a very specific way, like more intentionally than some of the other records we've heard. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Yeah, because it definitely feels less like like lip service and more like an actual embrace. When he is talking about Indian music that he has heard and how it's created and what they do in it, he really sounds like somebody who's done his homework and listened to a lot of Indian music. And there is a really strong embrace, as we'll get into in some other songs here, of him just really getting into it. And I can really feel that. And he talks about how like they get the, the songs can go into these different polyrhythms and they can can jam out for long periods of time and, and he's just sort of fascinated he's like the way he talks about like these cultural differences and he's just like these things i would never think to do and they're doing them and i want to try it and and the thing that also is that it feels it doesn't feel like a guy appropriating like he went to actual indian musicians and brought them in to make the thing and I think that makes it feel more authentic and um, appreciated on the record. And I don't listen to a ton of Indian music. I have spent some time at uh, some people's houses that are Indian and that had music playing like the whole time I was there. And you really, you really, when you listen to it, especially when it's just around. Like, they just had music playing literally 24-7. Like, I went to the bathroom at 2 o'clock in the morning. I was staying over at the Spence house, and it was just going. And I'm listening to it, and it's just like, it is like an entirely different, like, not even a different style, but just like an entirely different world that I'm not normally experiencing. And then listening to this, I'm like, yeah, this isn't this isn't like somebody, like, hitting the the Indian sitar preset on their Casio. This is the real, this is the real motherfucking deal. Hey. Matt, thoughts on Final Days? It definitely felt like respect instead of just, oh, I'm going to do a song in, this, in an Indian style. You know, like, mm-hmm. sometimes you can kind of feel that where it's just like, well, I got a sitar, let's make a sitar sound. And then, yeah, it just sounds like a Casio. I dug it. I, I, I feel like this record's a vibe at this point. Mm-hmm. We're two tracks in. I know there's a lot more tracks to go, but feel like this is much more i mean even i know we kind of talked about this cover art but we gotta talk about this cover art all right so jd looking up he's in front of a stained glass window there look to be stained glass praying saints around him because i think i see the little halos and then out of focus candles underneath it is eerie. I don't know if I'd say it's spiritual. It's very gothic. Jenny, thoughts on this album cover? It's super intense and super queened of the damnedy, I'd say. Matt? Yeah, it definitely, when I saw this, I was like, oh, that's what's going on in this record. Is it, He's in black and white. His his la- his face is illuminated from above. He's kind of got a, like a church thing, but he's got like a dark church thing. Gothic for sure. The candles. 
Black Labyrinth. This is a mood, my friends. This is a mood. Matt, when you said that this this whole thing is a vibe. Yeah. W- I knew and Jenny knew that it was a vibe after we saw JD live. And about a track or two in, he just starts feeling the music on stage and moving his body in a way very different from when you're at a corn show. Very loose, very relaxed. The only feeling is like, oh, it's a vibe. Oh, yeah. This is a vibe. Unmistakable yeah. vibe. Unmistakable. And uh, total, I mean, I'm going to say it. This is total goblet music. If you're dr- if you're drinking <laughs> something, listening yeah. to this music, you got to get a goblet. If you don't got a goblet, pause it. Get to your local goblet retailer. <laughs> get yourself yeah. a goblet. And when you're at the checkout and they see you loading up on your gobs, they'll go, it's a Black Labyrinth night. You're like, you fucking know it. Check yep. me out. I got to get out of here. walk out with your velvet cape. <laughs> That's right. Flitting in the wind. And then you'll turn into a bat and fly to your house. That's exactly right. All That's right. That's exactly right. Okay. 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 <laughs> okay. Okay. Up next, uh, we've got everyone. I walk into this place because I need help. See, they don't want me because I'm not like them. They don't like me because I frighten them. They don't want me because I'm not like them. Never the lies of the priest of the sun. More of that fuzzy bass that I enjoy. Miles rocking it out. I think he was doing a beret when he played this one. But I notice this one, it's a rocker. But it doesn't really have chug. It's got more of a bit of a swing to it. A bit more of a sway. JD is thinking about them hips. He's thinking about them hips. All right? He wants to take care of them. He wants to see them swing left to right. And I like this one a lot. This one of the best tracks on the record. Jenny, thoughts on everyone? I liked this too. This did make me wonder if we were going to be going in a bit more of a corn direction. But we definitely did not have that clunky bass. <laughs> no chug. I liked it. I liked it. Had a video. Sure did. This video... So they, uh, when I watched the documentary, I had... Did you watch the doc or the videos first, Jenny? I watched the doc first. Okay, as did I. And so he teases out the music videos in the doc. And so you get this... The, basically, the video is um, a bunch of religious cultists being indoctrinated. And then at a certain point, they have to drink some blue milk. That frankly looks delicious. <laughs> Looked pretty good, not going to lie. Looked pretty good. And half of the people, they're fine. And the other half, 
starts spitting up blood. Hmm. I and would they die. Would be remiss if not those motherfuckers were spitting. <laughs> <laughs> uh Jenny with a world class got him. Incredible got him. Incredible got him. She uh didn't even see that one coming. Uh, wow. Oh yeah. What a got I'm him. Always waiting. Uh, and um Dude, we just yeah. got served. We did. We really did. We got served papers. I mean, I've got to get a suit because I got a court date. Jeez. Yep. I oh think we Lord. just lost possession of a bit. Oh, I think so. I think someone just took claim think, on it. I think that was the settlement. We that was. lost a bit. We lost it. She took it right Congratulations, from us. Congratulations, Jenny. You've done it. You did it. The only way to, to get a bit is by doing the bit better than the originators. Yeah. All right. Oh, it's my man. bit. Oh, she took it. It's free free for me to do what I like. Oh, man. And uh, yeah, and so he teases it in the doc, this video being pretty vivid. And you see them spitting up blood in the the doc. But then when you watch the full video, it felt worse. Like it was like those guys are spitting up blood for a while onto other people who seem fine with it. They didn't care. They didn't give a shit. And this is intercut with JD uh, singing in front of, I think, a stained glass crucifix. And this one seems to be about religion. And key lyric I wrote down, I will never bow down. JD, he is he is anti-religion in this documentary, but in the most, I don't want to say blasé, but relaxed way. Like, he is not at all evangelical about it. He's just like, yeah, nah, nah. I don't like it. Not a fan. But not even that. I'm putting too much I'm putting too much anger on it. I'm putting. I'm giving it too much lip. It's less than that. He's just like, yeah, yeah, not a fan. What did you think, Jenny? I mean, yes. He's definitely, I think he's very comfortable with his feelings about religion. Because he, he says, like, some things that could be considered considered to be hot takes just run of the mill i mean look religion is responsible for everything that's bad in the world i don't know anyway this is the song <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> exactly, like, that's a direct quote he says that at one point he's like yeah. most, most bad things yeah for religion bad and then i think like he, he looks off because he's he's clearly all the interview stuff is i feel like he shot with a friend so it, it's all like that may contribute to why jd is so relaxed throughout this entire documentary is that he's not working with a crew that he doesn't know. It seems like he's working with, I think at one point he makes a reference to something in this way that like the guy he's talking to like knows, like, you know, I'm talking about Bob, you get Bob, you know, Bob. And so because of that, I think is maybe why he is so chill and says those things. Like he, he knows like I'm with friends and no one's going to push back. and I got to defend it. He's like, they know me. It's me. And they know how I feel. Um, so yeah, Matt thoughts, thoughts on everyone. I, I definitely feel like number one it was a good song. I didn't have a problem with the song. I I get that feeling of like, yeah, these are songs that if I put them on a corn record, people would be like, "What are you doing?" But they, on you know, not to tip the hand too early or too early in this record, they feel very Jonathan Davis. There is. He is in this record, 
and it doesn't feel like he's really going to a place that isn't authentically him. He makes a point in the doc of also talking about how he is but one component in what makes Korn sound, and that his idea for this record is that you get to sort of hear him in isolation and see just what it is he's contributing, but also see how he can diverge as an artist. And that is a thing I noticed listening to this album on three listens is that you hear things and you realize that your, your brain, if you've been listening to as much corn as we have over the last few years, your brain, when you hear Jonathan Davis's voice expects certain sounds around it. And when you don't hear those at first, it is a little unusual. You expect to hear some harsher things. And when you hear not so harsh things, you're like, wow, okay, this, this is different. This, the, the, definitely, the, this is not, it's not your mama's corn record, baby. It ain't. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Um, all right. We ready to keep on going here? Let's do it. Up next, we got Happiness. Once again, the bass sound on this record is tremendous. Shouts to Miles. Shouts to Miles and his hats. Um, the thing I noticed about this is that this song gives me a little bit more of a corn vibe, but it's so fleet of foot, it's so effortless and not not clunky that you realize like it, it's just it's nimble. It can move in ways that a corn song cannot. There's just, you know, and uh I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that a lot. Liked it a lot. Jenny. Yeah, I agree. It just it's more it's more fun. It's just yeah. more fun. It's lighter. It's a little lighter in the subject matter, even though very much in the Jonathan Davis vein is is more fun. It doesn't feel like I'm gonna hear something about, you know all the wrongs in the world or all the wrongs that have happened to him, even though he's singing, he's singing about that stuff, but it doesn't feel like it. So on genius, the verified commentary says that life is all about balance. You can't have happiness without sadness. Jonathan gauges his happiness by whether or not he can lie down at night and peacefully fall asleep. He does say that in the doc. I, I like this lyric. One of these days, your words will ricochet off, tearing off your hide. Which I think is a more artful way of saying, words don't bother me, bounce off me, and stick on you like glue. 
Is that the line? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I completely yeah. mangled that. Did I mangle that? Did I it's, mangle that? Um, I'm rubber. You're oh, okay. glue. Yes. What you say bounces off of me and sticks to you. That's exactly what I said. Or, right? <laughs> yes, that's what I heard when you said it. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I knew I knew I had that colloquialism down. Perfectly. Yeah. Well, you know, Lauren, all the time you spent painting colloquialisms on porcelain plates. It's really oh, paying off. Listen, I'm just there, just like, let me just nail these down on these plates. We're never going to use them for eating. They're strictly for decoration. Put them up. <laughs> put them up over the mantelpiece. Your decorative plate hobby is really popping uh, off in quarantine. Let me tell you. Well, as Matt asked, how has my summer been? Terrible, because I just spent <laughs> it painting plates. Not the way I planned. Not the why, way I planned. Why are these idioms so popular? Ah, I hate it. I mean, it's a, it's a bull market. I get it, but ah, not enjoying it. Feast or famine on the pl- decorative plate. There it is. Um, I think I think we're ready. I think we're ready for the next one. All right. Up next, we've got your God. Here it comes. <laughs> chorus what a chorus i can tell you and this this is one of those songs he knew he's like i got this chorus let's not waste time in these verses let's get right to this hot chorus i'm into it jenny thoughts on your god he's doing his thing and you can tell he's loving it i think the love of the songs is coming through on this record i can't hear it and not imagine jd having time of his life he's dealing with all of his favorite people so on this song you've got miles on bass you got ray on drums wes on guitar jd doing the vocals and keyboards and i think on top of that it's just like the jd there are a few collaborations on the writing on this but a lot of this is straight up jd wrote the whole thing and he is just working with these people he loves and respects and everybody gets a moment in the dock where we see them in the document documentary footage and jd will go on a five minute i mean passionate description of why this person is tremendous and he's glad to have them in his life everybody gets it ray gets it miles gets it wes gets it near the end he talks about what an incredible artist creative person wes is and then he drops he drops 
casually, once again, he's just talking to his friend, casually mentions something that I have never heard before. Surprised that it has never been mentioned before, Jenny. And what is that bombshell? That Wes almost joined Corn. What? Yeah, Matt. Wes was working on this record. And JD's like, we are having the best time. What do you think about joining Corn? And Wes was like, mm, maybe. And he's like, let's let's go hang out with all the other guys in Corn. Just hang. Just feel the vibe. So you hang out with the other guys. Hanging out because Head was, Head was out of the band at the time. They were all hanging out. The vibe was good. The vibe was real good, according to JD. But then Fred made the call. And Wes is like, you know what? That's my band. I got to go back to my band. But imagine that alternate reality. Wes and Corn. What if? What a what if? What a Marvel. Write it. <laughs> that's it that's it what if west so, Portland joint Cor- oh man i'm gonna i'm gonna pop open the uh the roach coach hood oh we're gonna look under it okay so in december of 2017 toomey did his interview with wes he did we lined up the uh the trying to get Wes on board and then he said he had to do some soundtrack thing. Could it have been this? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. So in the doc and I well actually we should not dance away from what Matt is talking about. Indeed, we did almost have Wes on the show. I talked to him on the phone for five minutes. He's super nice, but then he had a scheduling conflict and we were never able to reschedule. And then he stopped answering my texts. No big deal. He's a busy man. <laughs> he followed us it. on Instagram, though. He followed us on Instagram, <laughs> though. Hey, it all came full circle. Um, so, in the doc, the footage is of him in what had to have been 2006 to 2009. His whole look, his everything is completely different to how he looks. He's looked, I think, for the last decade. His hair is longer. He just looks, looks younger. So I don't think this is what he was working on. But maybe. So these these songs have been alive for a long time then. Very long time. Very long time. In the doc, JD, I believe, mentions that the the thing that stopped it was that the label it was on, there was a reshuffling, and they were holding the record because they didn't know what to do with it, and he basically asked to take it back. And then once he got it back, then he had to figure out who was going to put it out. And then I think he worked on it a little bit more and then just had to figure out when he was going to put it out in between Corn Records that he could also tour it because he really wanted to tour it. There it is. There it is. There it is. But yeah, this one, going back to the meaning, yeah, JD, um, just not, not feeling religion and even saying at points that he wholeheartedly tried to give it a go. But your God is killing me. Your God is betraying me. Your God has abandoned me. And I'm just uh, going to have to keep going. Just going to have to keep going on my own path. And I believe, is this the song that he wrote when Head left the band? Yes. 
because okay. he it seems like he took it real real hard when head left the band and the way i think this was another time that he talked about addiction and kind of like that euphoric state you hit when you get real into something or when you're coming out of addiction and he sort of compared like heads yeah his born again uh the feelings that he was having were just so intense and jonathan was just like this is too much this I'm is too much this. no he wasn't there for it and then he left the band and i think that that was just very tough so this this is another one that comes from very like yeah like raw place for him and he was just getting it all out yet i notice uh he doesn't i mean there's there's some f words on the album there's some shits but (laughs) largely this is not this record is not as i don't know curse word heavy as a corn record would be a little more reserved and by f word and by f word i mean fuck that's the that's the word i was whoa you're grounded whoa whoa What? I don't think you can just bandy about those words around here. I'm throwing it around. Throwing it around. Wowie, wowie, wowie. All right. We're going to wash out your mouth with soap pretty soon. Bring it. Put Tabasco on your tongue. Ah! (laughs) Yeah. All right. I think we're ready for the next one. All right. Up next, we got Walk On By. go to 238 238 you say here we go So this song felt the most new metal, I think, on the record. It's got more bounce than you would expect, but if you heavied this up a touch, it would be a corn song. It also has some wonderful use of the of, of ripping, snapping, laughing, very visceral in that part, snapping at me, ripping in me. I just wrote those down and they, they stuck out to me. But then there's backing vocals on it that make it a little spooky and soften it. And I wrote my notes. I love it. thought it was great. Jenny, thoughts on Walk On By? I enjoyed it. 
as well. I, I agree that it this was like the closest thing to a corn song on this record for me. But I can appreciate that no matter how long JD's been at it, you're always gonna get this. They're laughing at me. He's he always thinks people are laughing at him uh or rejecting him and i think that's interesting like for all of the success that he has had all of the the ways that he has been embraced he still feels it seems like that that bullied rejected person i don't know guys sounds heavy he uh, in the uh, description on Genius, which is co-signed by Jonathan Davis, says that Jonathan Davis feels he is a drama magnet, and quote "walk on by" is a personal mantra, so he doesn't get involved and weighed down by other people's problems. His instinct is to help others through their hardships, but he can't take on the burden and maintain his sanity. And I thought about this. I thought about this in what it is to be a celebrity what it is to try to maintain your humanity while being a famous person in the public eye. And I also thought about what it could be like. Bear with me, guys. You're on tour. And you're playing with the big bands. Say say it's you and Linkin Park. And you're playing. Okay? You finish your set. You're like, you guys. You guys did great tonight. Everybody. I'm thrilled with everybody's work tonight on the stage. We ripped it up. I think it's time we hop on this tour bus and we head on home. And you're walking out and there's a commotion. And you're like, what's 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 going on? You know? And you're and he's thinking, he's like, oh boy, am I gonna have to get involved with this? And it's like, you're not gonna believe this. But some comedian had sex <laughs> with more than one woman in front of your tour bus. And it's turned into a whole thing. The cops are there. And Jonathan <laughs> Davis is like, you know what? Personal mantra. Walk on by. Gotta keep on going. Where was that mantra for us? Where was that? We need to adopt that mantra. We needed you, JD. We needed you. I was also thinking about that story that Fieldy told in his book about, I can't remember the specifics of it now, but it was something more or less like his girlfriend and Jonathan's girlfriend or wife got into some sort of disagreement and they were like trying to fight or something like this. Like they, they show up at Jonathan's dressing room and are just saying like, they got to fight. He thought that that was the solution. So, I mean, if that book is any indication of like even some of what is going on, like I I'd have to imagine that like his life is probably quite chaotic. Yeah, I think so. And thus, I think that mantra is definitely the right one to follow. Absolutely. Walk uh, on by. Walk on by. I, you know, I would tell you when I saw that, I said, is this going to be a Dion Warwick cover? Because that would be something else. <laughs> I was expecting it for a minute. You know, that would have been that would have been really something else. Matt, thoughts on Walk On By? Yeah, I, I like this one. I, I don't have too much to say about this record so far. I'm, I'm enjoying myself. But nothing's like really screaming out to me like that it needs extra commentary. Okay. Matt, will you be adopting the Walk On By mantra? 
I think it's a good it's a good way to not get involved. Uh, coming from the improv community, I have kind of adopted a walk on by like leave it alone what it what what was that jenny jenny you made a face yeah that's very useful for that because it's just a bunch of dumb Dumb shit shit. the dumbest regional theater shit where everybody's like can you believe and it's like it (laughs) doesn't fucking matter yeah and i'm not saying i've never talked shit before but like the overarching drama i have tried to um, with few exceptions, because of course I'm a person and you get involved with things because you're a person around people. But for the most part, I tried to adopt a, uh, yeah, life's too short for this bullshit. There it is. There I'm it is. just saying, I'm not, and I'm certainly not implying that I never <laughs> dipped my toe in that or talked shit. <laughs> oh. Far be it for me to say that. No, no, I I aspire to that, but no, but I will, I'm just saying that I will be adopting, I'll be borrowing from Jonathan as we go into this new world. Indeed. Re-enter with a walk on B, walk on B. Walk Walk on B. B. Walk on B. (laughs) Cool. Please paint that on a plate for me, Lauren. All Um, right. Let me get my paints. (laughs) All right. Up next. Have a honeycomb on it. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? Whatever makes you feel Follow the brush. Don't try to make the brush go. You have to follow the brush, all right? The brush is the boss, all right? Yeah. Brush and boss both start with a B, not a coincidence. That's right. I've got a I got a bumper sticker for you that's a paintbrush and it says who saved who. Oh! So it's pretty good. I'm expanding those. Just right. a leash on the ground. <laughs> oh no. Uh up next we've got the secret. I watch you breathing I can't believe you sleep So calm With all the dirty things That you've done to me My eyes are a curse, you see Cause you see an angel And not the demon child So this one starts off like a bit of a mid-tempo, almost trip-hoppy ballad, but then you get, once again, this in-the-pocket chorus. Matt, you were feeling that chorus in your bones. He might not have time for God, but he's definitely got time for praise and worship choruses. There it is. There it is. Uh, I wrote in my notes that he's going for that teen romance money, man. Let me tell you, put this bad boy in a teen young adult movie where the two lovers cannot meet because of some bullshit be it a cyber war be it (laughs) 
a Romeo and Juliet ripoff, be it a situation where one of them has a disease and they can't go into the other room, which, whoa, very timely hey. now. Very well, timely now. There was like 10 feet apart or whatever that movie was, too. Oh, that's right. That's I, right. Didn't that have a Riverdale guy in that? Probably. Probably. I was thinking Riverdale when you said it. A teen drama of some kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the spookier Riverdale timelines could take this song on. Absolutely. This thing, it's very interesting, though. Like, I wrote my notes, it's a good moody boy. But yeah, that chorus, man. The choruses on this record, it really did make me think back on a lot of corn choruses and just really being like, you know, this guy underrated on these hooks that apparently, I mean, we've done five corn records on the show now, but a lot of great choruses in the, in the history of corn and the history of Jonathan Davis. It's a gift. It's a gift. Jenny thoughts on the secret. I agree that it's a gift, but it's not a surprise. This dude has been watching his dad play in bands, mostly covers summer ridges. He talks about getting all of his like, his heavier albums taken away from him while what was considered to be heavier. He has all his tapes taken away. So he gets into music that is a little bit poppier. It's got hooks. It's got choruses. Like I feel like he, he came up with that and it's evident and also, you know, went through it with Ross it's true. Once you go through that Ross boot camp, you gotta be you gotta be looking at every chorus you do for the rest of your goddamn life. Going, is this up to snuff? Is if Ross was here, did I do it? Did, did I, I do it right? If Ross was here, would he jump on my back and dig his fingernails into my neck because this chorus wasn't good enough? It's gotta haunt you. It's gotta stick with you a little bit, uh, especially you know since they were so young when they made those first two records. This is also the first song in the album that is a collaborative co-write. He co-wrote this with Miles and Lauren Christie, who is a member of the Matrix production team, who first worked with Korn on See You on the Other Side, and have been frequent collaborators uh, ever since uh, Lauren Christie did co-writes on the most recent Korn record, The Nothing. So clearly a uh, a fruitful relationship there, uh, and it, it should be mentioned, Jenny, a fruitful creative re- relationship with a woman. <laughs> you know what? They said it couldn't happen. They said it couldn't be done. <laughs> but we've got the proof. That is, <laughs> we can send you the YouTube link to that doc. It is proven. Um, Jenny, you sent me a text because I watched it the night before you did. And you were like, any women show up yet? And I said, yes, you got two seconds of Lauren Christie. (laughs) She's in it. Um, But he says a lot of really nice things about her. And uh, clearly, I mean, yeah, I mean, the proof's in the pudding and the pudding is the song, The Secret. That's right. Yeah. So the proof is in that pudding. Uh, It is. All right. Matt, any thoughts on The Secret? Not extra thoughts. Um, love that chorus. 
There you have it. Uh, also, I was looking at the set list for when we saw him live. This was one of two songs from the album he did not do live. Interestingly enough. Shocker. Right. Shocker. This one did not make the list. Well, so. maybe that pudding isn't shelf stable. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Well, just wait until you see what the other song was that didn't make the live live show. <laughs> uh, all right. Okay. Uh, all right. I have a guess because I think oh, yeah. I would have remembered hearing the song live. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, okay. Up next, we've got Basic Needs. Jenny, thoughts on basic needs. Basic needs is a real slow, moody, sentimental boy. This video uh, focuses on homelessness uh, and addiction, it seems. And according to Genius, this is a love song towards Jonathan Davis's family and closest friends. Close, compassionate friends are all that Davis needs to survive. This was co-signed by JD himself. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, definitely not a bop. Um, it seems like we've gone a little bit away from the the hip swaying vibe, but uh, I gotta say the production quality on these videos is very good. The woman who appears to become homeless in this video is also the woman who was uh, serving up that blue milk. So mm-hmm. we got her yes. across the board here. It wasn't my favorite song on the record, but 
I liked it. And this is kind of a, a Jonathan Davis special. I could see this really resonating with people who are going through a hard time. Yeah, this one definitely has, this one feels very vivid for him. And uh, honestly, on first listen, I was listening to the lyrics while I was driving and my thought was, oh, this is this is a leftover from Queen of the Damned. Like this goes in Queen of the Damned 100%. But then watching him make it in the studio, then seeing him talk about what it is, and I was just like, oh, vampires, Jonathan Davis's everyday life, I mean, they just intersect. It just They just go together. Uh, what's interesting is that this record, this song for the first like three minutes is basically as you've heard like pretty much like a power ballad a moody power ballad of sorts but then at 3 30 the violins come in the tablas tabellas am i saying that right the hand drums uh they come in and we get into a jam out and you see jd blissing that's the only word blissing out to this jam out because it's all his favorite musicians that's the thing that you really get from the doc is that jd loves working with corn obviously he wouldn't do it all these years but it is known it's a common fact that the corn records now are largely made with the band one place jd doing vocals somewhere else and they send him his vocals i think largely because as he says to drive or fly there? Nah, mm-hmm. man. No, 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 no. No, no, no. I got I got kids. I got stuff I got to do. So you just mail it. But this thing, he made it in the stude with his best people who are inspiring him. Watching Jonathan Davis. And it was very interesting. I think I touched on this earlier. But like watching Jonathan Davis learn about a new interesting keyboard from Zach that is played using a ring moving it down a string up and down is fascinating. I I mean, you don't get a ton of it. They don't, they don't oversell it, but you watch it. Just like, this is, this is watching someone learn and be curious in a very real way. And then you hear it on the record. That's the thing. We see these experiments and then they're on the record. So Matt, if you go to three 30, you can hear a little bit of the jam out. That JD loves so much. He put it on the record. Didn't keep it. So, Jenny, you mentioned. I just wanted to throw in the most useless comment. <laughs> no, Matt, you're right. Really no, jamming out. I think they are jamming out. And Jenny, you mentioned them earlier. We haven't talked about too much. A violinist and incredible person, Shankar. Yeah. JD, JD, in awe of this gentleman. He plays a double violin. What that means, I don't know. But it looked impressive. Hell of a violinist. He played violin with Frank Zappa. 
There was someone else. I can't remember now. He he lists the resume. It's incredible. And there is this feeling a little bit that JD's like, when JD got him, he couldn't believe he got him. And then they started working together and he got JD. And it was a vibe. And then at one point he's like, uh, Shankar taught me violin. And we did violin offs. And then you see it happen. This is the thing that I really, really liked about this doc is zero hyperbole. Asked and answered. JD says something happened and then we see it happen. It's real. No BS with JD. It's all legit. And... um, and so, yeah, and then at one point he lets, uh, it, you know, he talks about that, you know, uh, Shankar does like some incredible singing, and then he lets Shankar just go to sort of vamp and sing on the record. I mean, yeah, just, guys, just having a great time. And I really did think this was the song that really kind of hit me that as much as you could say, like, Jonathan Davis's voice is the through line on this on this record, and I think that's ultimately true, you could make a strong argument that Miles' bass sound is also a connective through line of this record really defines it as well hey i'm not here to argue with that yeah i just wish uh, the dude would ease off the hats a little bit he loves his hats just when you're that good the hat when he's that good when you're that good at something you're gonna have some indulgence and someone's gonna think maybe he should lay off the hats but the other person be like he's an incredible bassist he's an incredible musician let him have the hats yeah, I mean, they did say that through Europe, he would just show up at jazz clubs and ask to sit in and then spank the other bass players. <laughs> it's the terminology true. that JD used. He get he uh, would sit in and they'd blow their minds. So, yeah, clearly, I mean, he probably rolls in with those hats and they go, oh, he's probably really good. <laughs> I, my, <laughs> I would. I'm telling you, I would... I would underestimate this young man. I would underestimate him because he looks like an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) And I stand by that. I appreciate your candid honesty. (laughs) Look, I'm not saying I look cool. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with looking like an asshole, but he does look like an asshole. Um, (laughs) And let's let's keep listening. Let's, Let's keep it going. All right. Up next, we got Medicaid. Lots of slow builds on this guy.
Jenny, thoughts on Medicaid? Um, I really liked Medicaid. I thought it was an interesting, like it was, it, it kind of kept going on that, uh, that slow boy vibe, which I enjoyed. Um, I don't know. I liked the change in tone. This still felt, this felt like it was taking us back into the vibe that I, that we started out with. So I felt like this was like an interesting departure from where we had been, but it's bringing the vibe back a little bit more. Uh, I liked it quite a bit. Lauren, what do you think? Uh, I, yeah, I thought it was nice. Not my favorite, but uh, definitely still staying with the vibe. According to JD in the doc and also on the Genius page that this is about addiction and Davis's use of Xanax. And he acknowledges his own addiction after sending his brother, who also struggled with addiction, to a rehab facility. They also make a point here to say that unlike the rest of Black Labyrinth, Medicaid is electronic and quite minimalist comprised of only clean guitars, a synth, and a drum loop. It is also one of Davis's favorite songs he has written. That was co-signed by Jonathan Davis. So that's true. It's a fact. It's a fact. This feels very synth poppy. Like, kind of hits me with that. It isn't a goth industrial song, but on almost every synth pop Depeche Mode Cure album... There's a song that's like this. Mm-hmm. And for him to say it's his favorite is not a surprise. Because it's it's like him finally getting his own. If you made a playlist and you pop this bad boy in next to Clean by Depeche Mode, it would slot right in. It would yeah. slot right in. 100%. Uh, so, yeah, you can feel those influences. This is a co-write with Zach the uh, keyboardist and i wrote in my notes beeps and boops beeps and boops zach the keyboardist i <laughs> yes. thought that he was gonna factor in a lot more heavily in this doc i've got to tell you because up top up top he comes in with some energy <laughs> that <laughs> is intense he starts doing some like shire shit talking about how um these great warriors had to defend using weapons that looked like musical instruments. And like, I don't know. It was very like, I don't know. It was a lot. And I was like, who is this fucking guy? It was hard. I, you know, I watched the doc at like 10 o'clock in the morning on a Monday. I had a day off today and it was just a lot for me at 10 AM on a Monday. I will say, but uh, it seems like that <laughs> chilled out. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, yeah, I also was a little worried up top because Zach's energy is very intense. Um, we should mention, yeah, the doc starts off with footage of um, JD performing with his, I guess, the first iteration of his band Yeah. Um, post Queen of the Damned when they didn't have any of this album yet. And he just wanted to do the Queen of the Damned songs. And so they, they half the show is Queen of the Damned, half the show is variations on corn songs. But in an interesting choice, he performs the entire show sitting down in a throne. Yeah, there's a lot of that. A lot of throne time. He does a lot of like wiggling and whirling around in the throne, though. Mm-hmm. And a lot Man. of like improvised scatting in the throne, which... 
was tough to watch for me, but also like he's just so in it. I feel I think I feel the way about Jonathan Davis that I do about Rob Zombie and that like what they do, I'm not super into, but the way they do it, I fully respect and I'm on board for. I feel like he is 100% in this with his whole fucking heart. And it's just all like positive energy in it. Even if I'm like, why are you sitting on a red velvet throne scatting for a long time? Like, I don't know. But just the way he does it is with such like exuberant joy that I can't like, I can't, I can't hate, I can't hate on that. I just can't do it. Now... Miles' (laughs) Miles' outfits. <laughs> but, yeah. All right. Matt, any final thoughts on Medicaid? Nope. That's kind of my thoughts. Uh, gave me a real um, synth poppy Wolfsheim vibe. I like this one. There we go. Chill. All, All right. right. Up next, we've got Please Tell Me. Again with these intros taking their time You're everything I wanted This tragedy is mine I hold on and I fight it So when I was listening to this song on my listens, I was like, did he play this one live? And I pulled it up and then it came, the memory came flushing, flushing back, flushing back, flashing back, flushing back, flushing back. The memory returned because they played this song. The song was uh, 11 of 13 before the encore Did 15 songs in total. And it has this slow build. And you think, well, this is this is it. It's just this. But then it has a drop. And I remember when the drop happened live, people were ready. It was rapturous. It was incredible. So, Matt, if you go to 310 and get that drop. I just want to be where I belong. Oh, yeah. I remember this. 
where my snake people at? They were at the Majestic Theater. <laughs> they were there, Matt. Uh, just, just imagine a sea of snake arms as far as the eye can see. Yeah. Woo. Oh, yeah. I wrote in my notes, Hakatar, bass drop, nice and fuzzy, and frankly, perfect. <laughs> frankly, perfect. <laughs> wow. Well, I have nothing to add to that. Oh, there you go. There you go. This song, once again, JD is talking about, he's, he's collaborating, he's thinking about the people he's working with, he respects them, and he's also writing songs about his friends and what they're going going through. He says on the doc, he says, and I'll just read what's on the, on the genius. He says, John, Jonathan wrote this song about watching one of his close friends go through a rough patch in a relationship and with life in general. He watched his friend experience a lot of hurt and pain and wrote the song from his friend's point of view, empathizing with how he must have been feeling. And uh, when he talks about it on the dock, it sounds like this guy... This guy thought things were one way, and then he kept hearing they were another way. And this was a rare moment where JD said, I will not walk on by. I'm going to involve myself a little bit here, and I don't know if I'm going to fix it, but I'm going to, I'm going to capture this moment in song for you, friend. Yeah. Yeah, watching um, Jonathan write lyrics was pretty funny. I, I don't know, does... When we see him, <laughs> oh, I know which part you're talking about. But I'll say that's it. not that. That's not. Yeah, that's that's a couple songs. Okay, <laughs> that's a couple songs. Okay, well, let's keep going then. Um, okay. Up next, we've got what you believe. What you believe is your religion, and your entire devotion is dedicated to believing. And there is no room for God in it. That has to be Byron Katie. Oh, yeah. There she oh, yeah. is. And there is no room for God in it. And there is no room for God in it. And there is no room for God in it. Matt, we're going to start with you. What do you think of what you believe? 
let's just take it as a song. Like making fun of religion in a song is uh, is American as apple pie. Like it, it's bread and butter, baby. Like, of course, this is a this is a pretty weak swing in my book. This uh, this does not work for me at all. Like, I don't leave this with my faith shaken in the least. This is disgusting. Ha-ha! Who's with me? <laughs> nah, like this. This song, not my favorite. Interesting. Um, so in the doc, this uh, JD says that this song is inspired by Byron Katie, Ross Robinson's mother. Um, he mentions the work, and he says that he was listening to one of her lectures. When she put forth the proposition that what you believe is the religion and everything you say and do encompasses your own personal religion, how you believe in yourself and how you conduct your life is the religion and there's no room for God in it after that. And JD was like, yep, there it is. Sign me up. That's it. Let me get a cool industrial baseline under this thing. And Miles popped in with a brand new hat. So let's do it. <laughs> I got you, brother. I got you, man. Uh, I like this one. I like this one. Jenny, what do you think of what you believe? This is my favorite song. <laughs> 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 the it's the lyrics for sure are like extremely corny. I like they're they're very like okay, we got it, yeah. but. <laughs> This song itself is such a bop to me. Like I love uh I love the chorus. It sounds like I don't know. It it gave me like Depeche Mode vibes for some reason. Like I I just really liked this song a lot. The content of it <laughs> I don't know. Like I I am a Byron Katie fan. I like Byron Byron Katie as well. Yeah, it also just straight up makes me laugh when he's like, this is disgusting. (laughs) I don't know. It just brought me a lot of joy, that song. Christgau challenged this bad boy. Ooh. I got a rowing machine in my basement now, guys, so we're taking this shit to the water, also known as the concrete in my basement. (laughs) But I started this one over, rode right through it. Loved it. There you go. There you go. Uh, I have a correction to make. This song, written by JD, everything by JD. Vocals, guitars, keyboards, programming, violin, all JD. One man show. Speaking directly to Jenny's soul. That Yeah, JD wrote yeah. a song just for me. Just for you. Just for you. Yeah, this one, uh, yeah, I got a little Depeche Mode. I got a little bit Manson on that, a little bit of a Manson stomp on that. But what really was impressive to me on the return listens was the plucked violin sounds on the verses that make it a little creepy, a little tribal, but more than anything, uh, interesting in a way that I feel like does hearken a little bit to the corn and new metal sound of like you could just do what are you going to do under your verses and it's like you could do something that is inviting or you can do something softer but here he was like i'm gonna make unsettling building an unsettling build underneath which feels like a very new metal move 
that of course i mean it's in his blood he can't not do it so i uh yeah i like this one a lot as well probably one of my favorites also uh yeah it's a hot one it's a hot one and also it's track what track 11 Mm-hmm. Still, yeah. still bringing some heaters still bringing which some does heaters. make me ask how respectful of our time is this album this album comes in at 50 minutes and 20 seconds all in all 13 tracks 50 minutes yeah it's right there it's right there and it's worth mentioning that jd does say that he was he had like 20 to 30 songs it's like 20 something to 30 songs that he could have put on this record trimmed it down to 13 kept it at 50 minutes like i think that's pretty respectful very respectful. Uh, he also mentions that while making the record over so many years, there were songs that were supposed to be on it that were heard by members of Corn or Corn producers and then were taken and made into Corn songs. Uh, the one that looked like it was the most fully formed and probably could have been on this album was Take Me. I don't know if it was called Take Me in the doc, but that's what it became by Corn, and that's on The Serenity of Suffering. So if you listen to that one, You'll notice that chorus is a little poppier. And I know there was somebody, I was talking to somebody about it, and they said that they didn't like that one as much because it was like that chorus feels too pop for corn. And I think that might be why it was originally going to be on the JD record. But actually, that's one of my favorite corn songs. So there you go. But uh, yeah, we got two left. All right. Up next, we've got gender. All about setting a mood. This is a mood. mood. (laughs) It's a mood, Matt. Yes, Matt. 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 Matt, Matt. I, yeah, ask your question. Ask your question. I take it he's speaking metaphorically and not literally. Matt, I hate to break it to you. <laughs> I really do hate to break it to you, my friend. Yeah, we've got some news. We've got some breaking news. Um, this is honestly, this was if 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 a documentary about the making of an album can have a twist. That's when they get to this song. It's skin suit Jonathan Davis. Jenny, why don't you walk us through this? So this song, is, I'll just read right from Genius, and then we can talk a little bit about what we see in the doc. Um, Jonathan Davis co-signed this. So this song is inspired by the darker side of man, particularly the Silence of the Lambs character Buffalo Bill. Silence of the Lambs is one of Jonathan Davis's favorite movies. Davis doesn't necessarily endorse or agree with this dark side of humanity, but he is acknowledging it through this song. So, J.D. talks about Jonathan 
Davis. Uh, he talks about Jonathan Davis. Yes, he does. He talks about Buffalo Bill. He talks about John Wayne Gacy. Who else does he talk about? Richard Speck. He Richard goes. Richard Speck. He talks a lot he about goes, Richard Speck. He gets. He clearly knows a lot about Richard Speck and drops some incredibly vivid details about Richard Speck's crimes. And he starts Never just, would have pinned him as a Speck head. He oh. just starts <laughs> detailing these. And then he goes, pretty, pretty messed up stuff. I mean, obviously very terrible. But like, you could tell that he'd kind of gone down the, the wormhole of his totally mind. Of like, into it. But he was like, I mean, obviously terrible. But yeah, anyway, I found this stuff really interesting. Yeah. And... <laughs> Not long after, they show him writing lyrics about, <laughs> like, he's, I don't know, he's talking about, he's like, I hate you, you stupid bitch, you're a bitch, you're a bitch, I want to rip your head off and shit on it, no, I want to shit on your throat, no, I want to, you bitch, I want to shit down your throat hole, that's the one, and I was just, like, watching him be this, like, generous charismatic interested curious person who'd clearly thought about like a lot about life he talks about how his ideas come to him and it's you know the the etymology of the word inspire and it's just a spirit brings you an idea and who is he to question it and all of these things and then you just get whapped with the spec info and he's like trying to get the wording perfect about like how to shit down someone's throat and i'm like well if this isn't humanity i don't know what is we contain multitudes is what i'm saying we truly do we truly we contain do. multitudes yeah and yeah that scene i remember thinking like is this is this part like a bit but then he does seem to be sincerely working on those lyrics so i had the same thought i'm one, like is one this- of the songs <laughs> This One is... of the songs that didn't make the cut. Yeah. I just want to shit in your neck. Just want to slit your slit your throat. Just get in your pocket. Throat hole. There it is. Throat. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Throat hole. That said, the chorus on this song is beautiful. <laughs> it is. It is. It's, I really like this song. I don't want to. I want you to know that I don't want to like it. And I found myself thinking, I'm like, this is beautiful. I love this chorus. And I'm like, here we go. The one where where a woman gets dismembered. Well, then even crazier, this is a co-write with Lauren Christie. I guess if we're writing from the perspective of Buffalo Bill, I mean, I don't know. Matt, yeah. <laughs> what do you Matt, think? Well, I, I mean, who does not love being that wrong? <laughs> uh, Matt, I think I think more than anything, though, I think you felt like that could be the answer, but it didn't. It seemed too. It seemed too obvious, and you should have been first choice, best choice. Right, exactly. Like, no, first draft, only draft. Only draft, only draft. Mm -hmm. Let's Mm -hmm. do it. Let's do it. Last song. Last song. It's called What It Is. Pretty soon. 
bringing it home. Yeah. Epic Closer. Epic Closer. Also, the first single from the album, interestingly enough. You know, a good a good way to go out. This another co-write with Lauren Christie and Gary Clark. Wes on guitars. Got some work from Shankar in there. You know our boy Miles on the bass. Probably wearing some elaborate hat with tassels. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I stand corrected. This one does not have Miles on it. No Miles on this one. I stand corrected. Wow. Well, I really liked this one. Um, this was released in a, in January of 2018, coinciding with the release of the Sumerian Films film, <gasps> American Satan, which, if you recall... You saw in you, New York City. I, you saw in New York City. Sweet Mitchell and I tracked to the middle of fucking Manhattan to see that movie, and... The fact that we are married today is a testament to love really carrying you through some tough times because <laughs> that film didn't work out the way I think people had hoped it might. It wasn't good. It wasn't that good, guys. Samuel Tarley did not fare well in that movie. But I don't know. I liked this one. I thought it was like a very... This seemed like it could have been in a different time than 2018, a radio hit. Yeah, I think so too. This thing has all the hallmarks that I think it really could have worked. I think I think this is another situation. If this record had come out when he wanted it to come out, in like 2008. Oh, yeah. I, I'd have. see it having a bigger birth. Yeah, I think so for sure. But yeah, I thought it was uh, strong close. Uh, music video. Uh, this one... This one has JD basically being held, I think, captive by a lot of the people that survived the poisoning of the blue milk. And, uh, but there's a scene where he's like basically about to be beat up by these guards in uh, combat SWAT gear. And I feel like they should have just thrown a couple extra bucks down for a stuntman. Because it's pretty clear to me that no one has actually ever hit. You just see some stuff waved around and then JD's on the ground. Not a mark on him. Just a thought. Maybe all the budget went into that homeless one, you know? A lot of special effects in that one. A lot of... I mean, it looked very realistic. It looked like they were in a a realistic homeless camp. So, maybe that's what happened, you know? Maybe they used all the money on the blood from the other video. That blue milk looked spency. Yeah, they did not cut corners on the blue milk. So there you have it. Matt, thoughts on what it is? I mean, it it sounds triumphant. It's uh, got a great sound to it. Hard closer, you know, going out, leaving it all out there, baby. There you go. There you have it. And that is Black Labyrinth by Jonathan Davis. The end of Side Project Summer. And uh, now it's the part of the show where we talk about canon talk. And also discuss whether or not this record is ego or essential. Jenny, we'll start with you. So I thought a lot about this. Um, I... I think this is essential. 
And I'll tell you why. I think that this album was an interesting exploration of the types of things that Jonathan Davis would like to get into. And I think that the way that he went about it is very unique based on what we've seen. I think that this is a project that came together with a lot of love over a lot of years. I think that he comes to learning about these different styles of music and experimenting with them very honestly. I think this is a great solo record. Like there wasn't, I know like Matt, you had said there wasn't a lot on it that necessarily like was hopping out at you. And I felt that way too, but there's just something about the vibe of this record and the vibe of Jonathan Davis and like understanding more of the story behind it. That makes me feel like this is essential because it, it spans a long time. I think it, it tells a lot of stories, whether or not you think they're interesting is up to you. <laughs> but I, I saw a lot on here that you couldn't, you could not do on a corn record. And, but at the same time, it does showcase, you can see what Jonathan Davis brings to corn on this record very, very clearly. I don't know. It to me it feels more essential than ego. One of you, Matt or Lauren. <laughs> um I uh, I thought this was a very strong personal work from JD. I thought it moves at a very strong clip. It's well sequenced and it feels like its own thing. I did not feel like I was listening to corn rejection songs. I didn't think I was listening to corn B-sides. These felt like true their own things and it also it's a mishmash of all of jd's interests but not just lip service like sounds are focused on and given the space to actually be used in the way that you can actually hear them you know there's always this thing that happens uh where people say like oh yeah i was listening to a lot of electro clash and i made this record and then you listen to it and it's just guitars and drums you're like where where is it what happened where was the electro where's the electro clash that's why I, I, I signed up for this thing and with this one everything jd says he was listening to what he was feeling is on the record it makes it there and i like that and I, I also thought it was interesting that for a record i mean we, we say that like you know what it is probably would have played better on the radio in 08 or 07 versus coming out in 2018. But this record did not feel dusty to me. It did not feel like it had been sitting on a shelf. If anything, it's perhaps it's timeless. Just putting it out there. Much like the Vampire Lestat. I think it sounds great. I was not sure if I would consider it essential, but Jenny makes a very strong argument that to truly understand Jonathan Davis and see what he brings, you need this record. And so I am, much like Jonathan Davis, co-signing all of those statements on Genius, I'm going to co-sign Jenny's bid for this to be essential. Matt. You may be surprised to hear. I think this is essential. I think you need it to understand Jonathan Davis as an artist. I think... It is unique enough, his own voice enough, but not in a way that's pandering or it doesn't 
sound desperate. Like, I can do something new and something different. It's like, no, this has always been in me and this just needed to get out. And I know that this isn't the corn thing. So I need to do this one on my own. Whereas, like, when I hear Feel These Dreams, I mean, we're just talking about Feel These Dreams for a second. Feel okay. These Dreams. <laughs> feel, <laughs> dream. feel These Dreams. Hit that weed. <laughs> um, if... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so weird. Anyway, but when you think about Feel These Dreams, it feels like Feel the Biting. Like, trying to be that thing of which he was emulating when it's he doesn't have it he can't do it whereas jonathan is this he is sad sack depeche mode songs he is synth pop he is a you know straight ahead rock song he is all of these things and it but it's just recontextualized in a way that is unique to him essential there you have it. We finish out Side Project Summer with an essential side project recording. And I, I think real quick, we'll go around real quick. Jenny and Matt, and then I'll finish it up. Thoughts on Side Project Summer. Um, if you want to say your favorite and least favorite or any sort of ranking that you'd like to do, just your thoughts on Side Project Summer. Uh, I had fun on Side Project Summer. Um, I'd really like to hear a little bit of Are You Talking to Me <laughs> before we go. That's the Feel These Dreams video, which was by far my favorite thing that <laughs> we saw uh, this whole time. I don't really have a ranking. Um, I thought it was interesting. And I know that there are lots more side projects that we could get into. So I'm, I'm very... Thank you so much. I definitely want to keep this going. Feel these dreams. Yeah, I. It makes me excited to listen to more side projects because. I think you just learn a lot about where people were at the time that they made these when you listen to them. Yes, um, yes, yes, yes. So I had a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Would do again. 10 out of 10. Matt. Uh, definitely would return to the side projects. Had a great time talking about them from the uh, colossal highs of uh, Westmoreland liking a comment we made to the to the cavernous lows of feel these dreams um it, it, it was it was great it was great i enjoyed i got something different out of every single one which i think is the purpose of it uh with the maybe the exception of um I'm pulling it up right now because i'm trying to find them all i had a hard time with device but you both were <laughs> delighted by device, which delights me. The Fort Minor was a lot stronger than I thought it would ever be. The team sleep was was fun. Uh, I don't think I would go back and listen to it. Uh, and, of course, Feel These Dreams was just 
a pleasure cruise of ridiculousness, uh, as well as Big Dumb Face. Wow, we did a lot of side projects. We did. When we started, we thought we were only going to do four, and then we just were like, there's too many. There's too many to do. Uh, I also had a lot of fun with Side Project Summer. There was, yeah, a lot of surprises. Fort Minor, definitely much better than I expected. Fieldy's dreams will never, ever be forgotten by me. Fieldy's book. Fieldy's book will also never be forgotten by me. Um, You know, which also makes me somebody that maybe, you know, when we're back and able to hang out with people, it's going to be problems. We're like, how was... I was quarantined for you. I'm like, <laughs> I read Fieldy's book and listened to his album. You might want to get away from me. <laughs> but and I still yeah. have the sickness. I, I still have the sick. Well, and then I'd say, but also the upside was I did listen to Device by Device, which um, as as much as I say that this JD record is essential, if I were to rank them number one with a goddamn bullet is device <laughs> wow i don't agree with that okay but. that's fair but that device record is um <laughs> number one with a goddamn bullet with a goddamn bullet that's come out of a cybertronic lady's arm who's got an arm cannon i don't care device yeah that would that was such a joy for me listen i said i'm gonna listen to it again that is a threat I'm following through <laughs> on my threats. So that's just how it works. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely, uh, yeah, I definitely hope, and I think we should definitely do another side project season, not necessarily summer, maybe side project spring, or just, uh, or just side projects. I don't know, but I want to do more. And we, I mean, we had a list. We thought we knocked, we'd added more to the summer, and we still have so many left to do. Head's got multiple side projects. Monkey's got a side project. Um, Chino's got more side projects. Wes, so many side projects to do. And you know we got to do more of those so that he will leave us more comments. Mm-hmm. So it's it's got to happen, you guys. So there you have it. JD's Black Labyrinth, an essential document. Side Project Summer is over. But the fun will continue here in the Roach Coach Podcast. We'll be back next week with more new metal goodness. You can bet your butt. And uh, keep on saying hello online. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Send us an email, roachcoachpodcast at gmail.com. If you are a famous new metal person and we've mentioned you, as we said, the door, wide open. Wide baby. open. Wide open, baby. Step on in. All right? We're inviting you in. As if you were a vampire, you have permission. There you go. And until next time, Jenny, thank you. Lauren, thank you. Matt, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 All the things that I do, all the hell I've been through, it's somehow